0: It's time now for the complete story of public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot with today's
1: complete story. All right, Rich, I tell you what, right out of the box, this program, this weekend is the last weekend before Christmas. Next, uh, next Thursday is Christmas Eve. And then next Friday is Christmas Day. It all happens pretty fast, doesn't it?
2: Well, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It really is. Do you have all your Christmas shopping done? (laughs) Are you kidding?
1: (laughs) At 87, how much Christmas shopping do you think I do? And I'll tell you, your mother is 86, and I tell her, honey, you can't keep doing what you've done in other years when we were both so much younger. But listen now, do you remember the name— of Evie Turnquist. Sure. Yeah, this is a beautiful, beautiful gospel singer from the past. But truth is always current, and Christmas is always current. And this is what Evie Turnquist recorded for the benefit of people like our listening audience. Here it is. Everybody likes to take a holiday. Everybody. The family Sharing life Of something good, something, celebrations we, we love to recall. We recall, Mary had a baby boy in Bethlehem, Bethlehem. the greatest celebration of them all. I tell you what, yes, uh, this is the birthday of Jesus that we're celebrating. That's right, because he was conceived nine months earlier. Don't forget that of a virgin, a young girl. He was he was an unborn child, and then his birthday is what we're celebrating.
2: He is the reason for now, the Rich, season.
1: Last year, you read a story. Oh yeah, out of a book. A preacher in Nashville, Tennessee, wrote this book, Twelve Stories of Christmas.
2: Robert J. Morgan. He's the teaching pastor of the Donaldson Fellowship in Nashville. In
1: Nashville, Tennessee. And the book has one story that
2: just re- – well, it has all the, – the whole book is good. I well, know. yeah. The, the book it's called uh, Twelve Stories of Christmas, Sharing the Smiles, Heart, and Hope. Of Christmas. But the one story that
1: just resonated that we used, and we're going to use it again, and you're going to tell the story and read it just exactly as it's in the book, and it's about somebody, I guess, who survived the Holocaust in Germany.
2: Now, it's, it's told through the eyes of a child. It's called Ollie.
1: And Ollie is the little child, and their family is shopping. He's the young boy. And they're buying Christmas presents. And Ollie's just a little boy, and he's with his mom and his dad, and their little family, and they're shopping and everything. And then some confusion takes place over their automobile where it's parked. And then uh-huh. then the story unfolds. And, Rich, I, I, wanna, I want the listeners to listen now and understand the story is about kindness. The story is about giving, The story is about taking time to be nice to somebody. And here it is.
2: I'm going to tell you a story just as my father told it to me, for I can still remember almost word for word how he related it to me on Christmas Eve, 1963. We just finished dinner, opened some presents, and put on our pajamas. Just before bedtime, as the last log was burning in the fireplace, I saw my dad walk over to the mantel. He took down the antique snow globe with its nativity scene and started the crank on the bottom. The little music box played Silent Night as snow swirled around Joseph, Mary, and the baby in the manger. My dad was lost in thought until the music ceased. Then he turned and he saw me watching him. I guess I looked at him quizzically because he went on to recite a little poem I've never heard before, as though he were explaining something to me. Silent, holy, calm, and bright— Jesus came to pierce the night. Jesus came to make things right. So be silent, holy, calm, and bright tonight. I didn't know what to make of it. So I did what most 12-year-olds would do. I, I asked questions. What do you mean, Dad? Where'd you get that old snow globe anyhow? Where'd it come from? Well, he sat right down in the floor. There in front of the fireplace with the snow globe resting in his lap, and he motioned for me. I sat down beside him. And he turned the thing over and showed me that it was stamped on the bottom, Made in Germany, 1938. Then he put his arm around me, and this is what he said. Something interesting happened to me, son, when I was your age. When I was 12 years old, it was 1942. We were living in a little town called Evergreen, Pennsylvania, where my dad had a law practice. Well, that year was unusually busy, and my folks waited until the last possible day december 24th to do the gift buying it was about mid-morning when we drove downtown plunged into the crowds on main street and did all our shopping in one giant trip of course there wasn't much shopping to do back then world war ii was going on and the things were hard to come by that year we just bought a few items for each other my dad found a simple necklace for mom She bought him a tie and a pair of socks, and from the size of the package, I suspicioned that my gift was a new pair of shoes. We also found a red sweater for my grandma. We loaded those gifts into the trunk of our 1938 Buick, which we'd left in the town parking lot. Then we went to the corner market where we'd managed to find everything we'd need for Christmas dinner, a canned ham, the only kind available in those days, some cloves and spices, baking potatoes, beans and carrots, and then some flour, butter, eggs, sugar, and chocolate for a cake. I remember how relieved my mother was to find some of those staples. They were rationed because of the war, you see. After loading everything in the car, we walked down the street one more time and ate lunch at the Evergreen Café. You can imagine our surprise when we returned to the parking lot an hour later and could not find our car. It was gone, vanished, along with our presents and all of our food. Someone had stolen our vehicle, and with it, they'd taken our Christmas. We'd spent the afternoon in the police station, filling out reports, talking to the officers and listening while they issued bulletins, but it was useless. No one had a clue what happened to our Buick. My folks were very distressed. The officers said they'd drive us home, but we said we'd just as soon walk as we only lived a few blocks away. By then it was late afternoon on Christmas Eve and the snow was flurrying. So down the street we started wondering how we were going to celebrate Christmas with no presents and no dinner. Most of the stores had closed and the shoppers were gone home. We passed the parking lot. It was empty, almost. There, to our amazement, sat our car. It was on the opposite side of the parking lot. My parents looked at each other in confusion, and we all said things like, Are we losing our minds? Did we forget where we parked? I'm sure we parked over here. Who moved our car over there? We walked over to investigate. At first glance, it appeared that whoever had moved our car had also washed and cleaned it, for it looked newer and neater than before. But the thief had also cleaned out our Mm -hmm. gifts, because when my dad opened the trunk, it was empty. We unlocked the doors, got in, and sat there like we were in a fog. Finally, my mom said, Thomas, this is not our car. No, said my dad, it isn't, is it? But it looks like it. He turned the key in the ignition and the engine started. Well, in those days, the Detroit car makers had a limited number of keys and locks and they were often interchangeable. I remember once my mother locked her keys in the car at school and another teacher said, I own a Buick too. Let's see if my keys fit your car. And it did. So that explained why the key worked, but it explained nothing else. My mom opened the glove compartment and found the registration. She said the car belongs to Alfreda Reinhardt, 508 Elm Street. I know her, said my dad. Well, at least I met her once. I think she's a bit daft. You know, not all there. Do you suppose she could have driven our car off by mistake? Well, I don't know, said mom. I've heard some ladies talking about her. It's a sad story. Alfreda is quite elderly. When she lived in Germany, her family was thrown into jail for opposing the National Socialists. She had a son, a daughter-in-law, a little grandson, a boy about 12 or so. Some kind of disease swept through the jail and the whole family died, except Alfreda. After she was released, she managed to leave Germany. Then she moved here to Evergreen, where her sister lived, over near the German Lutheran Church. When her sister died, Alfreda seemed to go senile. At least that's what they said in the beauty shop. Yes, and as I recall, she's deaf as a doornail, said my dad, and I guess that would explain things. Our cars look alike. The keys are interchangeable. She must have gotten in the wrong one by mistake. Let's go see. Well, this was turning into an exciting Christmas for me. A stolen car, an imprisoned family, a crazy old woman, and all our Christmas presents hanging in the balance. It was an adventure. So we drove off, and ten minutes later, we pulled into the driveway at 508 Elm Street. There was our car, all right, sitting in Mrs. Reinhardt's carport. We got out and peered in the car windows and opened the trunk. It was empty. We rang the doorbell, and presently, a little hunched lady opened the door. Her hair was thin, white, and disheveled, which was also a description of her. An old pair of glasses sat crookedly on her nose. She wore a faded blue sweater, and seeing us, she burst into joyous smiles. Guten Abend, she cried. Guten Abend. Come in out of the cold. Come in out of the snow. Right on time you are, right on time. We stepped into the house. It was rather dark and drafty, but a small fire was burning in the hearth, and a little tree sat in the corner. Underneath it were some presents that looked very much like the ones we had bought earlier in the day. We also got a whiff of supper. It smelled like hams with clove, with potatoes, carrots, beans, and cake. On the mantle, there was a snow globe nestled among some garland. I took it all in with a glance. Now give me your coat, Gunther. And you too, Elkie, said the old woman. Oh, how wonderful to see you. Frau Reinhardt said my dad, clearing his throat. I've come to tell you we've got our cars mixed up. Mrs. Reinhardt seemed to have trouble understanding, so my dad expressed himself again. We've mixed up our cars. She looked perplexed. Was? She said. Our cars, said dad. Cigars? Ja, I have cigars. Would you like one? No, no, my father said quickly. You always liked cigars, Gunther, the woman said, shaking her head with a smile. I try to keep them for you, but after supper, not before, ja? No, no, my dad said. What I mean is I think they're There's been some kind of mistake. Ja, of course, I have cake, too. No, Frau Reinhardt, my dad said, a third time. I'm afraid you're confused. My name is Vicker, Thomas Vicker. Something about that seemed to distress the old woman. Alfreda Reinhardt stared at my dad incredulously, a haunting look on her face as if trying to comprehend. For some reason, we all sort of stopped breathing for a moment. Nein, she said. And again, my father said, Frau Reinhardt, my name is Thomas Vicker, Vicker. Nine. I have no liquor,' she said. "'I have cigars and cake, but no liquor, only eggnog.' "'My father was too flabbergasted to reply, "'but the atmosphere changed suddenly "'when the old woman, smiling, showing yellow, unkempt teeth, Surgut, so she said. "'Your coat's bitten. "'It's warm in here. "'Let me take your coats. "'I've waited so long for you to get here, "'but I've waited all afternoon. "'You're going to stay, aren't you? "'Of course you are. "'You've come so far.' She started tugging at our sleeves. I noticed how my parents looked at each other and seemed to react to a kind of an understanding. At any rate, they nodded to me and we all unbuttoned our coats. Danka, said the old woman with a smile as she took my dad's coat and my mom's and laid them on the sofa. And that's when she spied me. I cannot describe the look that came into her eyes as she studied my face. Oh, Ollie, she said hobbling near me. Her hand revealed a slight tremor as it reached out and caressed my hair. Oh, Ollie, it's been such a long time. Look at you. Look how you've grown. Her eyes filled with tears, and she pulled me into an embrace. She quivered with emotion, but when she released me, her face was glowing. Oh, Ollie, she said, I thought you would never, I would never see you again. Come over to your Oma and look at you, so happy, so strong, so big. You remind me of your Opa. Her wiry arms encircled me again, and I felt the kissing on top of my head. And I started to pull away, but I didn't. After one more, my Ollie, she turned abruptly and headed to the kitchen. Abravastan, all is ready, she said. Elke, help me set the table. My mom obligingly found some dishes in the cabinet. While Frau Reinhardt pulled silverware from a drawer, and then out came the hams and beans and carrots, along with the German potato salad and some sauerkraut. The meal wasn't exactly as my mom would have prepared it. It was sort of vinegary and mustardy, but it was good. I ate every bite except the kraut. All the while, Frau Reinhardt was talking, half in German, half in English, about family matters that didn't make any sense to me at all. Each of us tried to contribute to the conversation, but it seemed lost on the old woman. Her hearing was gone, and her mind was nearly so, but her heart was warm, and she kept the conversation flowing all by herself. She spoke of long-ago days, recalling happier times with Dietrich, her husband, I gathered, and her son, Gunther, who had apparently been a bookkeeper, and about his wife, Elke, Occasionally she said something that seemed funny to her and she laughed and laughed and we laughed along with her. All the while she kept stealing glances in my direction and whenever she did her eyes sparkled. A couple of times I winked at her and she seemed as delighted as a girl caught under the mistletoe. After the cake and coffee, the eggnog never showed up. We relocated to the parlor where Mrs. Reinhardt went right to the tree and started handing out gifts. There was a simple necklace for my mom, a tie and socks for my dad. A pair of new shoes for me. It was all great fun. Then my mother handed the last remaining package to the old woman. Frau Reinhardt opened the present and clutched the red sweater to herself with motions of delight. Oh, danke, danke, it's wunderbar, she said. But the most wonderful thing is to have you all here with me. Then she lowered her voice, almost to a whisper, and said, One night, in that awful place, I was so frightened, especially for Ollie. I'd forgotten what time of year it was. It was was so dark and dreadful. Everyone was so sick. And then from somewhere down the hall, I heard another prisoner singing, Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. And I recalled that it was Christmas. And that night in the jail, I remembered a little poem we used to say on Christmas Eve. Silent, holy, calm, and bright. Jesus came to pierce the night. Jesus came to make things right. So be silent, holy, calm, and bright tonight. And that's when I, I knew that everything would be all right. Someday, somehow, some some someplace, perhaps not now, but then, perhaps not here, but there. She was quiet for a moment. But the next thing I knew, she was on her feet again and heading to the fireplace. She picked up the snow globe from the mantel and shook it in our direction, saying, "'Except for the clothes on my back, this is the only thing I brought out with me, out of Deutschland.' She wound up the music, and it played Silent Night. We listened, and it seemed like music from far away and long ago. No one said anything for a long time. And then the old woman suddenly looked very tired and said, "'Well, it's time for bed.' Oh, I would have broken my heart for you not to have come. But here you are, and my Ollie has come to wish his Oma a fro wietishing. God bless you for it, my grandson. I nodded the best I could. We rose, put on our coats, moved toward the door. Veit called the old woman. She picked up the globe and brought it to me. You must have this, Ollie, she said. This is the only thing I can give you from Deutschland, and you must take it so you'll always remember that God looked into our globe and saw our grief. We look into his manger and see his answer. Well, I looked at Dad, I looked at Mom, and she looked at me. I took the globe from the old woman's hands. I sat it on the floor and gave her the hardest hug I'd ever given anyone in my life. Then I picked it up carefully and ducked out the door, because no one wants to see a 12-year-old boy get the sniffles. I heard my parents exiting behind me, saying things like, and, "Auf Wiedersehen," And after exchanging cars in the carport, We drove home in silence. We visited Frau Reinhardt several times afterwards, but she didn't seem to know us. The spell was broken and her mind was gone. Shortly afterward, a small item appeared in the local paper. Frau Elfrida Reinhardt, 88, formerly of Munich, died at her residence on Elm Street yesterday with the parish priest in attendance. She was preceded in death by a husband and a sister, a daughter, a son-in-law, and a grandson. Well, that's the story as my dad told it to me, but he wasn't quite finished, he went on to say. And that's why, son, every year since I was your age, I picked up this old snow globe on Christmas Eve, turned it over, wound it up, and listened to the music. And as I see the snow swirling around the manger, I think of that night my folks and I were able to give an old woman her family back for one last Christmas Eve, and I remember her poem and her words, for they were so true. The good Lord looked into our globe and saw our grief. We look into his manger and see his answer. And that's why Christmas is silent, holy, and calm, and bright. For a long time, we sat there in front of the dying fire, saying nothing. I might have got the sniffles if my dad hadn't told me that no one wanted to see a 12-year-old boy doing that. So I finally got up, yawned real big, and headed off to bed. After all, I didn't want to oversleep on Christmas morning. "'Good night, Dad,' I said as I headed toward the bedroom. I turned back and saw him gazing again at that glassed ball filled with water and wonder. "'Good night, Dad,' I said to him again. "'Sleep well.' He smiled and waved me on to bed. "'Good night, Ollie,' he said. "'You sleep well, too.' She leaned with her
0: head by the window watching evergreen bend in the snow remembering Christmas the way it had been so many seasons ago when the children would reach for their stockings. And open the presents they found The lights on the tree would shine bright in their eyes Reflecting the love all around But this year there's no one to open the gifts No reason for trimming the tree And just as a tear made its way to the floor She heard voices outside start to sing Merry Christmas to all who may dwell here Merry Christmas if even just one May the joy of the season surround you. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas to all who may dwell here. Merry Christmas, if even just one. May the joy of the season surround you. Merry Christmas.
1: You see, rich as universal, isn't it? Uh, it isn't how old you are. The young, and the age, uh, and the aged, and the parent age, and it all, it all is the same, isn't it?
2: Isn't that wonderful? That's one of the twelve stories of Christmas, written yeah. by Robert J. Morgan, the and teaching was, pastor there at the Donaldson Fellowship in Nashville. It was
1: my son-in-law, Galen Gott, who sang the song. But listen, I want to hear from one or two of our listeners. We haven't been able to do that. Here is, let's see, a lady. No, it's whoever it is from Wyoming. Wilson, Wilson, Wyoming. Here it is. Good morning, Bot Radio. This is Kate in Wilson, Wyoming, 94.5. I also listen in the Victor Driggs Valley, 107.5. Thank you so much, for bringing your radio station here. I love it. I wake up to focus on the family. I'm so grateful to hear Dr. James Dobson on Family Talk. Jay Seculo is so informative. I can barely turn the radio off. It's so good. And I do a lot of driving, so I'm always on bot now that you're in both valleys. Thank you, Bot Radio. We love you.
2: Oh, thank you, Kate. Dad, that's in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Well, you know, the Grand you. Tetons, this beautiful country. You,
1: I can tell you where I was sitting when I thought, we need to have a radio station in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Because people in Wyoming, they're wonderful folks. And uh, and what are we going to do, Rich? Well, everybody needs the Word of God. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then when we came to know the Fishers, my goodness sake, Bob and Rita Fisher up in Rapid City. At Fisher Furniture. South Dakota. Wonderful Christian people. And, uh, and we became acquainted with Rapid City, South Dakota, because those are good folks up there. Now listen to what one of the listeners said. I'm a listener in Rapid City, South Dakota, and I listen to BOT Radio every day. I think one of the things that I appreciate the most is hearing the variety of Bible teachings from the past, as well as current pastors and ministers and teachers. I love BOT Radio, and thank you so much for being in our area. Yeah, well, we love you, Bot Radio Network family. That's right. Rich, what is the vote number? You know,
2: Dad, uh, the Rapid City—that's where Mount Rushmore is. Yes. Another beautiful area. And thank you, dear lady. The word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our listener comment line number is one 2621 four five two six two one. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call. That's one eight hundred. 345-2621 2, 2, Say it
1: again, we'd love to hear We'd love to hear from you <laughs> All right. This is Dick Bott with this chapter of The Complete Story with my son Rich and we'll see you later